Hello, everyone, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and as always, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the social media handle at JTime Sports for breaking news and updates. Now, in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the NFL and what went down with the Super Bowl and how we're looking going into the offseason. We're going to have a little MLB talk quickly as they try to figure their life out. And we've got the NBA as they roar into All-Star break, which begins this weekend. And of course, as always, we'll have best for last. And I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into another beautiful weekend. Uh, switching it up a little bit. So this show is actually being recorded on Friday night um, prior to the start of All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend starts in about an hour or so with the Celebrity Game. And of course, the new Look Rising Stars Challenge is in a couple, couple hours away. We'll get it recorded. I'll get this recorded rather. Have it uh, ready to go. And it will be released to you guys Saturday morning. Um, so a little different than my usual Friday morning show. Um, so I hope you guys are ready to rock and roll with me this weekend. Similar format as always, although we're all going to switch the format up a little bit. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. Talk about that in best for last, actually, um, how we're going to change the format up a little bit, um, especially now that the NFL season has concluded. Um, but I thank you guys for joining me this weekend. I hope you guys are having a great weekend so far. Again, it's it'll be Saturday morning when this comes out. So I hope your Friday night was great and your Saturday is even better. Uh, But let's jump right into what has gone down this week. Uh, The NFL season concluded. Congratulations to Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford, Odell Beckham, Sean McVay, Cooper Cup, uh, Vaughn Miller, Andrew Whitworth, and the rest of that, Eric Weddle, and the rest of that Los Angeles Rams football organization, including GM Les Snead. Um, And congratulations to you guys on a successful NFL season. Because when you talk about NFL, you talk about competitive sports, you either win the championship or you fail as a season, in my opinion. So those guys won the Super Bowl on a come-from-behind victory against Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll talk about both sides, of course. And we're just going to talk off with, first off, the first point I want to make is hell of a game. Hell of a game. Hell of an atmosphere. Hell of a hell of a playoffs in general. You know, every game after Wild Card Weekend was a possession of less every single one and that's what the nfl wants to do with this playoff system they want to create a system where okay the seven and nine divisional team plays the 12 and five wild card team or seven and or eight and nine divisional team plays you know the 12 win wild card team the 12 and wild card team beats them blows them out or whatever you're bound to have blowouts in the first round especially with two playing seven there might be a 13 win team playing a 10 win team or nine win team you know 13 win team is better Every single game after that, I'm pretty sure the largest margin of victory, it was less than a touchdown in every single one. Um, yeah, because Bengals and Raiders, I think, may have ended up being the biggest gap, and I think that was six. I think that was 30 24, if memory serves me correctly. But uh, other than that, every single game was, I mean, every single game after Wildcard Weekend was less than a possession. It was drama at the end. It was game winning kicks by Avery McPherson. It was. Um, walk-off kicks by Matt Gay. It was game-winning touchdowns by Cooper Cup in the Super Bowl. It was um, Patrick Mahomes driving down the field and hitting Travis Kelsey in overtime. Um, Absolutely, like I said, crazy, crazy uh, playoffs. Probably the best playoffs I've ever seen. I mean, I was was ready to declare that, or best playoffs ever, rather. I was ready to declare that after the divisional round went insane. Um, and then the conference championship game said, watch this. And then the Super Bowl uh, finished it off. Crazy environment. You had Janae Aiko singing the national anthem. You had a beautiful uh, country singer voice. And I can't think of her name right now. My apologies to her. Um, you had The Rock hyping the crowd up in L.A. Stars were out everywhere, not just on the field in the crowd. LeBron was there. Rich Paul was there. Kevin Hart was there. Shaq was there. Big Sean was there, obviously, with Janae Aiko. Um... You know, who's who's cast of 
big time people in Hollywood and LA and especially in sports was there. The halftime show, absolutely insane. I could do a segment alone on the halftime show. You didn't appreciate the halftime show, you don't appreciate hip hop. I mean, that's about all I can say. Now, if you're not into hip hop, the halftime show, even though theatrically looked great, but it wasn't, you know, this the symbol, you know, it wasn't what you were looking for. I mean, I think that's the, obviously the influence of Jay Z. Um, I mean, I remember the Super Bowl in Atlanta, was it Maroon 5 or something like that? It, it wasn't Green Day, but it was like a Maroon 5, I think, who did the halftime show in Atlanta. Why? Atlanta is the hip hop capital of the world. Why is it? I mean, it's one of, I mean, hip hop capital of the South, at least. Why was that not a Ludacris, Amigos, um, QC, um, TI? Why was that not one of those people, or all of them, rather, doing the Atlanta halftime show? You got 30 minutes, really, the performance is 20 of it because it's five minutes set it up, five minutes to tear it down, or seven minutes to tear it down, got the crowd again. So you got a 15 minute, 20 minute set in there. Why was that not a ludicrous T.I. Migos, Lil Yachty, you know, performance? Um, so that always kind of threw me off. Why? Why doesn't the Super Bowl reflect the city it's in? Uh, so like next year it's in Vegas. Now, Vegas can literally be anybody because everybody's on regency in Vegas. Lil Wayne does one monthly. Adele had one and canceled it. Vegas doesn't have any home, many homegrown talents. Nobody really reps Vegas in the rap game and the music game in general. So that could be anyone. But I think it goes to New Orleans in a couple years from now. That has to be Lil Wayne. That has to be, I don't want to say NBA Youngboy, but, you know, that might not be the fit for the NFL. But that has to be a Lil Wayne. Boosie's already said he, he can put together a group quickly. That has to be a um, No Limit Records. Master P could do a song. Um... Snoop Dogg has connections to uh, No Limit. He can do some of his music. You know, he just did a performance. They don't usually do them back to back or that close together. But, you know, I think the music, that, that could be a jazz set. New Orleans is the birthplace of jazz. Have a lot of jazz performers there. It doesn't have to be hip hop. It doesn't have to be rap. You can do jazz performances. Um, you know, I think now the halftime shows should reflect the area. So in Miami, throw some Cuban Latin flavor in there. You know, throw some hip hop, obviously, but throw some of the Cuban flavor in there as well. That's such a big influence in the area. Um, so I, Houston, same thing. It's got a big hip hop scene, but also got a big Latin music scene. So mix it up, mix up the flows, make the halftime show reflective of the city. And I think that's what L.A. did a great job in. Now, they did have it was basically a Dr. Dre performance and then Dre's Friends. Um, I think Dr. Dre was the headliner. And then, like I said, Dre's Friends. Every act he had on stage, he either heavily produced or discovered himself. Um, heavily produced um, Eminem and pretty much discovered Eminem. Discovered Kendrick Lamar. Heavily produced Kendrick. Heavily produced Fifty. Heavily produced and revitalized Fifty Cent. And heavily produced Snoop Dogg. So all the artists on stage, not named Dre, were heavily produced or influenced by him. Um, so that was a big, big moment for Los Angeles. The halftime show was great. Like I said, I can do a segment on the halftime show alone. It was just that spectacular. But now that we got all the theatrics, oh, 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 and one more thing. Shout out Evan McPherson, the rookie kicker for the Bengals, deciding to not go in the locker room and staying out. Now, I don't know if he popped in, listened for a minute, and slipped out the back door, or if he never went in. I mean, he's the kicker. So, and at that point, he was doing his job. It's not like he needs to know offensive and defensive strategy. They they tell him field goal already when he has to go on the field. I mean, it's pretty much his job is to kick. So, he stayed on the watch the halftime show, had the best seat in the damn house. He was on the field probably about the 50 yard line on on the bench so kudos to him um for being able to watch the halftime show but back to the game um game was great it was a great game and in the first half well going into the game what did i talk about i said it's either going to be really really close and i thought if it was close the Bengals would win or the rams are winning the blowout pretty much how it is and i kept telling you guys on the betting line four i don't love because four feels 24 20 like I said, 27, uh, 28, 24, something like that. that. That's a two common number. Four and a half, that means they'd have to win by six or more, and, and then it's a blowout either way. So, and I felt more comfortable saying Bengals keep it close than Rams blow it out. And so the game started off pretty much with a couple of questions. Can Joe Burrow handle, or can the Bengals offensive line withstand the Rams pass rush? Can Matt Stafford avoid throwing the big costly pick? So he's going to throw a pick. Um, I was saying it early in the game. I said, Matt, you've been trying to throw one. Just throw it, you know. Um, and could could the Rams avoid the big costly, the pick, the pick six, 
um, the pick inside the 20, you know, some sort of tip, you know, deflection pick where it's inside the 15 yard line. Bengals already up six with seven minutes left or 10 minutes left. Well, now they're in field goal range up nine, two possessions with they even if they come down and score, they're down two with two minutes left. You know what I'm saying? So in the situation, could they avoid the costly? You're already down by four, pick six, now you're down by 11 with seven minutes left. You know, one of those situations where if the game is really, really close, Matt throws the bad pick. They had a fumbling spree against the Bucks. Could they avoid a case of the fumbles? Um, and will Sean McVay stick to the run? The Bengals have a really, really good run defense, and I talked a lot of crap about their linebackers on this show and the Sports Debater Network NFL talk on Sunday mornings. You guys check that out, 9, 9.30 p.m. Central Time. Um, it's when that comes out. Our last episode of the season, obviously, is Sunday, so definitely check that out. But I talked a lot of crap about them on this show and that show, and they showed up big time um, in the Super Bowl. And they've been showing up all year, but I was making the pass references because they're not very good against the pass. Um, and they showed up. And so I was like, well, with Sean McVay, if it happens, because against the Patriots, I'm Patriots fans, you guys know. So against the Patriots, we shut the rundown. We took Ty Gurley and CJ uh, Anderson at the time out of the game and McVay stopped running well when you stop running against a very smart defensive coach especially the GOAT defensive coach eventually you just sit there and tighten down and tighten down and tighten down and tighten down and keep tightening and squeezing because they can't they're not going to run the ball um 23 that's how the Patriots were let back into the game the Falcons didn't run the ball even they ran the ball every time and punted they were taking two minutes of the clock every time well they were making these 45 second drives Many drives because they were throwing the ball incomplete strip sack or you know so there was a sequence that in the back in the game and in this game Sean McVay decided to stick to it um Sean McVay's directly off the Kyle Shanahan tree which is why I referenced Kyle Shanahan uh Kyle Shanahan game with 23 he decided to stick to the run now it wasn't working they had 23 carries for 45 yards or something like that 20 something like that so they were at like 1.2 you know, one point something, seven yards, 1.7 yards a carry, I believe, is what they got on the game. Um, they lost a turnover battle, two to zero, and they won. And when you look at that game, you look at that game for a lot of reasons. One, Joe Burrow outplayed Matt Stafford. Joe Burrow didn't have an interception. Now, Joe Burrow didn't have a touchdown, I don't think. Uh, the Bengals scored, what, 20? 20? Yeah, screen scored 20. Joe Mixon threw one. They ran one in and two McPherson field goals. I don't recall Joe Burrow throwing a touchdown, but he didn't throw an interception either. And so it was kind of the opposite of his normal games. And I, and I didn't know how much time they would have to do their offense. But Joe Burrow and that Bengals team is very feast or famine. They don't have one touchdown, zero interception games. You know, that's not in the Bengals playbook. They have four touchdown, two pick games or 35 points, but they got three fumbles, you know, there's there's no no touchdown, no interception game from Joe Burrow. If he didn't have a touchdown, he's throwing three picks, you know, like because their offense is an aggressive down the field attacking offense. It's a little bit different than the normal um it's a little bit different than the normal Kyle Shanahan offense, Sean McVay offense. As Zach Taylor's version is very down the field aggressive, um, very much trying to keep their big play stars in the in the action when, you, when you've got a jamar chase when you got a uzuma when you got a um t higgins when you got those guys you want to keep those guys active you want to keep them down the field so they, their version is a little bit more big play and you saw early in the game i noticed this they were dinking and dunking it looked a lot like the jimmy garoppolo Jared Goff quarterbacked versions of this offense as opposed to the Joe Burrow version of this offense. And the Cincinnati Bengals are doing fine and then they got impatient. You know, they, they got what happened to them was Joe attacked Ramsey with Chase and won. And when Joe attacked Ramsey and won, it signaled to the Bengals, oh, we can go down the field. Because up until that point, Aaron Donald was fairly contained. Von Miller had slipped through, I believe, at that point once. But Von Miller was fairly contained. They had one sack. So they were looking like, okay, now we were so terrified and going to dink and dunk. We just beat Ramsey with Chase. Our number one beat their number one. Let's go. Drive stalls out. 
Um, and I saw a very interesting stat. I heard a very interesting stat. Joe Burrow was sacked on his last 22 dropbacks. So the last 22 times he attempted to pass. So he didn't. Did, so the play was called a pass. He dropped back, and he, he was sacked seven times on those moments. And that is an absolute insanity um, because the Rams figured it out. And what the Bengals were doing, every single time Donald lined up, the center slid his way. So the center faced him. It was an automatic double team of Aaron Donald. So the Rams, picked, I guess, picked it up at halftime and decided to start running what they call TE stunts, tackling end or, end, or ET stunts, end tackle. Same two people, but who goes first changes. Um, and so when they started running that, they were Vaughn comes scot free because if you're doubling somebody already, and when the stunt happens, the offense line is start to pass it. Well, they weren't passing Donald, so at one point Donald was taking three people and Vaughn Miller loops and is right in Joe Burrow's face untouched, and so that forces you to no longer double Aaron Donald, not exclusively because at least have to peek out the back of your eye to see where if the stunt's coming well when that started to happen aaron donald started to show up um made some crucial crucial plays including the big third down and one stop when he stopped some ijp run with one arm on the ground basically and then of course the fourth down qb hit even though jerboro almost spun away and flicked it to p run um for the first down and even crazy if aaron donald does not break through the line the way he did which allegedly he was offsides there's photos saying he was offsides if he does not break through the line the way he does the Bengals win the game Jamar Chase beats Jalen Ramsey again so that would have been a third time Ramsey got beat for a big play because he got beat by Chase the first time and then Higgins gets away with a face mask on him 75 yard touchdown first play out of the half that directly led to a Matt Stafford interception that directly led to a Bengals field goal. If the Bengals score a touchdown in that sequence, I think the game is over and the Bengals win. But Chase runs, Ramsey falls, and there's no safety over there. Like, there's safeties in the middle of the field, but if, Ch- if Joe fires it, Jamar Chase or Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle with a torn peck at this point. I believe Weddle was the deep safety. Jamar Chase or Eric Weddle with a torn peck. I've got Jamar Chase. I think Chase comes down with it. If it's not a touchdown, it's a big play. And the Bengals are no worse getting overtime. And who knows what happens with the coin flip. Crazy, crazy game. Matt Stafford did not play particularly well. Um, the first pick he threw was a bad pass. It was right after Odell had gotten hurt. Uh, so it sucks to see that for Odell because he'd been playing really well until that point. You can tell the game plan was get the ball to Odell. He'd been playing really well up until that point. Deservedly so. Cooper Cup was getting double teamed. Van Jefferson doesn't scare anybody. And so they were kind of, Odell was being the free person. And so he was making moves and he was playing really well. Ball's a little low. Tries to plant his foot to reach down to grab it. ACL pops. End of Odell's season. Unfortunately, it's the same knee that he tore against the same Bengals 16 months ago when he was in Cleveland. So hopefully it does not affect his recovery. That's a couple of new ACL reconstruction surgeries we would not get into at this show. But there's hope for him to come back possibly before training camp. Not before training camp, before um, camp in the summer. So we're definitely going to keep our eye on that. Especially him being a free agent. But, so right after that, Stafford tried to throw a deep ball to Van Jefferson. There's a reason you signed Odell. It was because of Van Jefferson. Uh, Jefferson does not use his six-foot three or four frame to fight for the ball at all interception by the Bengals and then of course that for second pick was uh, a deflection received that wasn't on him receiver stopped running in man coverage and he unfortunately uh, tips it right to a Bengals player but the difference in this game the difference in this game was the star power the Ram stars were better than the Bengals stars if, if the Bengals, if you said the Bengals players won, Bengals won, you said Joe Burrow's MVP, Chase had a really good game, Mixon ran the ball well, and you probably got Hendrickson or Wilson, the linebacker, to make a really big play on defense. Strip sack, pick six, 
fumble recovery in the end. You know, something. They And one of those guys on defense, and Awuzie probably did something really, really good on defense. All right? That, that was what you said pregame. Okay. The Rams winning. You said, okay, Aaron Donald made some big plays. Stafford made some big plays. Cup and Odell both probably score. And the run game is at least solid. The Rams won without all their key pieces winning. And what that means, like, the run game was bad. Odell pops his ACL in the second quarter. That game came down to Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Matt Stafford, and Cooper Cup. And Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup on those last two drives were ridiculous. Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford went in the huddle, it felt like, and just said, let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, just straight up, let's do it. I mean, just all the way down the field, Stafford the Cup, Stafford the Cup, Stafford the Cup. They got a couple of bailout calls, especially that third and eight. And I would have been very curious to see third and goal, the hand the hand contact they'd kind of been letting go all game doesn't get called in that moment. Instead, the rub do what they do in all game, swallow the Wilson less is egregious. And up until that point, they'd called two false starts and one unsportsmanlike penalty. They had not called any live ball penalties in the game. Uh, so two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Your two false starts, of course, that's obvious. You can't do that. And then Vernon Hargraves running on the field in street clothes to celebrate with the defense after an interception. You can't do that either. So that's a dead ball penalty. So they had not called any live ball penalties in the game. They called the pass interference or holding on Luke Wilson there. I think his name is Luke. Luke Wilson there on Cooper Cup. That passes, if that play isn't called, it's fourth and goal from the eight. You're throwing into the end zone for your season because the Bengals would get the ball back less than two minutes. You still have three timeouts, but they're a first down away from the Super Bowl. Cause even cause Super Bowl winning, because even if they get a first, that's how they get a first down on first down. You call a timeout. Knee, second timeout on first down. Knee, third timeout on second down. So even if you hand the ball off into the line and you get four, that's how you don't need. So you hand the ball off into the line and get four yards. They're out of timeouts. You got about a minute left, give or take. Then you could take the knee. That would automatically drop it to 20 seconds when you punt. You know what I'm saying? So then it's 20 seconds, you need a touchdown, and you're punting off to them. The Bengals won the Super Bowl. So that was a game changing play. And then Eli Apple gets burnt, um, puts the ball on the one, then gets burnt again, uh, gets penalty, put the ball on the one, then gets burnt again for the fade for the touchdown. Um, so that was pretty much how that went down. The Stars for LA outplayed the Stars for the Bengals. And we look, of course, after the Super Bowl, oh my God, jubilation. Then you are hearing, we hear rumors in the game, Aaron Donald might retire. You heard him again, Sean McVay might go to TV. Both of those guys, Sean McVay is committed to coming back per his fiance's Instagram. Aaron Donald reportedly has said, if you bring everyone back, if we get, if we pull a Tampa, basically, I'll run it back. So if you get Vaughn back, if you get Odell back, if you get um, Humal, Humal back, you know, everybody back, their super team back in his words, he will run it back. And so huge news for the Rams. And again, congratulations to them. I think the Bengals will be back. Um, maybe not next year. They've got a lot. They got to fix that offensive line. They have to. Joe Burrow got sacked 70 times this season 51 in the regular season 19 in the four playoff games so 70 sacks in uh 21 games they've got to get that fixed cincinnati otherwise he's gonna have a very short window we can look at the next andrew luck um so hopefully they get that fixed they got a the pick number 31 you know, of course they got pick number 63 um pick number 95 94 and then they got 57 million dollars in cap space so they need to pay linemen they need to trade for linemen they need to draft linemen linemen needs to be the concern for the rams go the other side uh they have about seven million dollars in cap space and a lot of free agents left they don't go by eric weddle he's retiring they want to get a matt stafford deal done odell's gonna be looking for some money von miller's gonna be looking to get paid if he wants to stay in la so that'll be something to look for However, both sides did lock up their futures. Reportedly, Sean McVay is going to agree to a contract extension by the Rams. And Zach Taylor did agree to a contract extension with the Cincinnati Bengals, along with both his coordinators. So, big news there. A little player personnel news. 
Uh, Deshaun Watson reportedly is interested in either joining the Minnesota Vikings or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think personally for his situation, Minnesota Vikings would be the way to go. Although their new head coach, who was the Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, I think is his name. Um, he's reportedly very excited to work with, or he said he's very excited to work with Kirk Cousins next year. Now, is that just because you have to say it about the current quarterback? Probably a mix of that, and he, he believes Kirk Cousins can play because Cousins finished top 10 in every category this year. If they could have had a kicker, they'd probably be in the playoffs. Um, they blew, I know they blew two games based on kicking this year, two or three, if my memory serves me correctly, based just on kicking. So if they could kick, they'd be in the playoffs. And then, of course, that debacle against the Cowboys. Um, so that'll be interesting for him. And, I, and I, Tampa's not going to be a favorable situation for Watson because his cap hit will be in the 30s. Brady cap hit was, what, like seven? And Tampa's already low on money in terms of trying to bring back a Chris Godwin, trying to sign a Leonard Fournette. Rob Gronkowski's going to go somewhere because um, he's he's making it known that he likes Joe Burrow. So he may end up going to Cincinnati. Um, you've got a lot of guys on potentially on the way out the door in, in Tampa. So Deshaun Watson will probably put a dent in that chance of bringing guys back. So if I was Watson, I'd be looking at Minnesota as my primary target. Carson Wentz rumored to be on his way out of uh, Indianapolis. Now that has to happen for roster bonuses per roster bonus purposes by March 16th. So in a month, he the, the Colts have to decide whether to release trade or keep him. Otherwise, his roster bonus kicks in, and financially at that point, it wouldn't be smart to do either roster to release or trade. So they have about a month to figure that out. I don't necessarily believe the rumors. That doesn't feel like a Chris Ballard move. That feels like a frustrated Jim Irsay, um, who is probably thinking to himself, I've been getting berated about Carson Wentz all season. If I bring him back, do I really commit? Do I really show the, you know, the fans that I'm trying? So that's going to be a very interesting decision that's going to be made in Indianapolis. If Wentz were to be released and or traded, I think Pittsburgh would be his, would be his spot. Um, that feels like a great spot for him. Denver as well would be good. Denver with Nathaniel Hackett. Pittsburgh. I don't love the offensive coordinator though. New Orleans with Pete Carmichael. That division's weak, especially we don't know who's quarterback in Tampa. We don't know who's quarterback in Carolina, although presumably it's Sam Darnold. We don't know who's quarterback in Atlanta. So if Carson Wentz were to go to New Orleans, it's an indoor stadium. It's a weaker division. You have a very good chance of winning your division and making the playoffs. Although the and then the NFC has a lot less quarterback talent as it sits right now. Um, speaking of two other quarterbacks, both in the NFC, both can no longer be in the NFC after this offseason. Um, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson both potentially could be on the move. Their targets are similar to everyone else's, which is Minnesota. If Kirk, if the Kirk Cousins were to get moved on from Denver, is the most ready-made situation. New Orleans, if they put the right pieces around them. The Giants, if you're looking for a big market like Russell Wilson might be for his wife. Uh, Vegas used to be a spot, but I'm thinking Josh McDaniels likes Derek Carr. Now, if Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers comes available, sorry, Derek Carr kicked the bucket. Um, but there's several spots around the NFL. Pittsburgh, I cannot forget about them. The seven spots around the NFL that potentially could be looking for a great veteran quarterback. Indianapolis, if they were to move on from Wentz. Um, to help push them and elevate them over the top. Now, that was a wrap on the 2021 NFL season. Uh, again, congratulations to the uh, Los Angeles Rams. You had you had Cooper Cup have the greatest single season, receiving season ever. Um, he's, there's only two players in NFL history to win the NFL Triple Crown, which is catches, yards, and touchdowns, and a Super Bowl MVP, and something else. Um, it's, it's three accolades Cooper Cup got that only him and Jerry Rice have. Um, oh, Offensive Player of the Year, Super Bowl MVP, and Triple Crown. Cooper Cup did it in one season. Jerry Rice did it in his career. So what a hell of a year for the Rams. And now we're going to shift to the Major League Baseball and talk about what's not going down there.
welcome welcome back into the show and now we're gonna talk about my favorite topic to talk about we're not gonna talk about it long because uh, it's frustrating for me major league baseball negotiation tactics or rather cba negotiations collective bargaining agreement negotiations stop me if you heard this before we have a stalemate neither side is budging players are asking for more than they've ever asked for owners are not willing to give anything owners are willing to concede players want more now we're pushing start dates back players don't like that they just want to play but they also want negotiations stop if you've heard that movie that rhyme that song that dance that verse that chorus yes you have you've heard all of that before because we're we had it right before the COVID season. Remember that? Remember remember the COVID season? The COVID season had a lot of negotiating because owners were realizing they were gonna lose gate revenue. So they decided that they were going to ultimately um, try to reduce player salaries. Players wanted, okay, if you're gonna take, if you're gonna give us 60% of the season, we still want 60% of our pay. Owners were trying to give a percentage of a percentage. Players were not having that. Players fought against it nearly at every turn. Um, and so that is how we end up with the COVID season we had. They ended up they ended up settling at like 75% of whatever they were supposed to get. Well, now I believe the actual CBA is up. So now they're negotiating. Players want more percentages. Players want more pay, etc. Things you should negotiate as a, as a collective. Um, but now the issue is arising that the owners are not going to do that. And so now the owners have made the decision to delay um, tra- spring training, start of spring training. It's supposed to be March 5th. They've already announced it's going to be delayed. The NFL M- MLBPA has come out quickly and said that it's unnecessary. And they did not have to do that, etc. However, they the, the owners did the thing that they wanted to do, which was um, postpone spring training in an effort to... Um, put pressure on the players because one thing you don't want to do is that you don't want players in the in the positive light of the fans if you're an owner now i strongly disagree with this um i don't know if i've never made an official stance on this show but i'm gonna make it now i believe players should be making 60 65 percent of the money so whatever the pot is i believe it should be 60 65 percent of the money should be in the way uh should be going the way of the players yes the owners are responsible for the business side but if every nfl player decided right this second to stop playing the game of major league baseball the product would not be the same you would not sell the jerseys you would not sell any of the material you would think you would sell and in terms you would actually uh undermine the product so i believe that in order to have the legitimate effort that you think um, that you think should be occurring, I think that players should get 65% of the pot. Will it ever happen? No, because owners are looking at that bottom line because professional sports is a guaranteed bag. Professional sports is the only place where you can put your money into this area and guarantee you will see a massive return. The NFL the past few years has had $250 million checks handed out to every owner before the season even starts. Every single owner in the league gets a $250 million check before they sell a ticket, before they um, open a gate, before they sell a jersey, anything. Before the league year starts, they get $250 million. That is a lot. And I do mean a lot of cheddar. Um, so they get $250 million. Um, and the NCAA, NCAA, NBA rather, they get a large percentage of their check as well before the season even starts. You get these massive checks before the season even starts. It's a perfect place to put your money. You know, for without a shadow of a doubt, you're going to get your return. And so these owners are not trying to give up that leverage. They're not trying to give up the fact that that is the way the system is set up. And like I said, I'm not going to speak about this long. Because I truly believe at this point it is just an absolute, um, absolute waste of everyone's time. Um, it's honestly upsetting. And I think they should get this done as soon as humanly possible. Because if they do not get this done 
it's gonna cause problems. We saw what happens when he had a short season last year. We had injuries early um, because the guys aren't getting their proper training. It's gonna be the second year in a row the calendar is messed up. So I think they really need to get their life in order. Uh, come on, Major League Baseball, get your ish together. Um, this is ridiculous for the second year in a row. Put an agreement in for seven, eight years. Lock something down. Figure something out. Um, and let's get this season on the road. But up next, we're going to shift to the NBA and talk about what's going down there. Welcome back into the show. And now we are going to talk about the NBA. Obviously, All-Star Weekend this weekend. Of course, as you guys know, this show will come out Saturday morning. I'm recording it right now. The Celebrity Game is about to start. Um, so, All-Star Weekend is roaring up to um, right now. Uh, we have gotten through the unofficial first half of the season. I know it's not that uh, first half of the season. About 58 games for a lot of teams have been played. 58 ish games about 24 and over 24 to 30 on the back half of your schedule uh but it's the unofficial it's the break it's the all-star break it's the unofficial halfway point of the season um truly it's like christmas day ish january 15 ish is the half is the all is the halftime break but the break for the nba traditionally the all-star break obviously and so it's a good time to look at the standings and start really paying attention to the standings now when we do standing updates we're going to do games back uh, we haven't been doing that. We're not, we're not going to start this episode, but next episode, again, we'll talk about the new format of the show. Um, we'll be start be doing games back. So instead of, oh, we're going to do one through 10 on both sides, it's going to be, you know, oh, and they're also, you know, six games back from this, whatever. So out east, we have the Heat, Bulls, 76ers, Cavs, host of the All-Star Weekend, Bucks, Celtics, Raptors, Nets, Hornets, and Hawks. And then out west, we have the Suns, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, Jazz, Mavericks, Nuggets, Timberwolves, Clippers, Lakers, Trailblazers. Um, as you notice, some interesting things. The Lakers are still at the bottom. Why? Injuries. And Anthony Davis is hurt again. He's out at least four weeks. He will be reevaluated in four weeks per the team. Uh, he has a mid-foot sprain. He came down on Gobert's back of his foot, going off for a very errant pass from Malik Monk. Um, having a great half, having a great game so far. Comes down on Rudy Gobert's foot, hurts his foot. He's out at least a month. Good news for him. You you shorten it three games because All-Star Weekend. So they won that game. Then you got a week off. Uh, thanks to LeBron, who pushed for the extended time in All-Star break. You get a week off. And then you hope you get some luckiness. I mean, you're, you're looking at about 12 games missed, though. So the Lakers are the Lakers have the ability, if they can get up to the eighth seed, to play 500 basketball the rest of the way get in the playoffs. Because then if you're the seventh or the eighth seed going into when you're seventh or the eighth seed going into the playoffs, you have to win one of your playing games, which means you have to be 50%. If you lose the first one, you got to win the second one. You have the ability to be 50% in the All-Star game and um, – not an all-star game, sorry. You got 50% the rest of the way into the season, and you get in the playoffs. So the Lakers are in a very good spot. They should be very confident in themselves because they're in a good spot. Russell Westbrook seems to have calmed down and figured his life out a little bit. Huge positive news for the Lakers. Obviously, LeBron James, LeBron James. You wish you had a healthy you wish you had a healthy rather Anthony Davis. Unfortunately, that is not the case. But you've got a guy in LeBron James who's playing out of his mind. Nearly averaging, he's a couple tenths away from leading the league and scoring in year 19. Russell Westbrook seems to be calming down. You hope the week off allows a Kendrick Nunn to get closer. Carmelo Anthony should be back after the All-Star break. It allows Frank Vogel a week to try and figure out how to get this team, let's say with 24 games left, to go 16-8. and eight. It's going to be really difficult minus Anthony Davis. It's going to be really difficult minus Anthony Davis. But they are going to try to figure that out and get themselves into the play-in. Hopefully, I mean, Lakers fans want to get to that sixth seed, want to get to the Nuggets, where they don't have to deal with the play-in. They can just play the playoffs and take the three or four-day rest, but where the play-in would normally, where play-in now is between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs. Speaking of injuries, speaking of teams fighting for the playoffs and the play-in, New Orleans Pelicans forward 
Zion Williamson um, has been getting a lot of conflicting reports. And I don't like the way this is covered by the national media. And I'm going to talk about that as well. But first, I'm going to talk about the reports. So NOLA.com released a article stating that um, Zion Williamson it may need a second surgery. That that is the reason for the delay. They're trying to figure out if he needs a second surgery. Of course, there's negative news. It's surrounding the Pelicans. It's surrounding Zion. Flies off the national media. People start retweeting it everywhere. It's a topic on ESPN. It's a topic on Undisputed. Topic everywhere. A topic on Fox Sports One. Everyone picks it up. Zion could be in pain. Second surgery possible, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Everyone picks it up and runs with it. All right. No one, however, picks up the report. No one, I do mean no one, picks up the report of Fox 8 New Orleans, which states that the team is very encouraged by what they've been seeing from Zion Williamson. Very encouraged that he has imaging due in the next couple of weeks to find out just what's what. General Manager Trajan London has gone to see Zion in Portland. He's happy what he's seen. And reportedly, Zion Williamson is back in New Orleans. Now, he's strongly rumored to be back in New Orleans. Now, I remember he was in Portland doing rehab. That wasn't that he was confirmed away from the team for rehab when CJ McCollum from the Portland Trailblazers was traded to the Pelicans, who, by the way, McCollum's gone off since he's been in New Orleans, was traded to the Pelicans. He stated, oh, yeah, Zion's in Portland. Well, that was the first time anyone inside the organization had confirmed Zion's location. Up until that point, it was Twitter people saying, oh, Zion is in Portland. And then it was kind of rumored, oh, he's in Portland. There was a suspected location that he was in Portland. Well, the first time that anyone in the organization, like I said, confirmed the fact that Zion was indeed in Portland, it was CJ McCollum. Well, Zion and CJ McCollum had to have had conversations about the organization and what they see the organization going, or CJ McCollum isn't as happy to come to New Orleans because reportedly he had a big influence on where he went, isn't as happy in coming to New Orleans as he said he was if Zion was another surgery away. You know, CJ would probably have forced himself or tried to get himself to a better team, better organization. Maybe uh, Milwaukee could use another score or or Toronto, you know, score, you know, it's Boston, somewhere where he could be a contributor on a potential championship team. He decided to come to New Orleans to play with the young talent. He didn't try to get himself to the Lakers. You know, he decided to come to New Orleans to play with the young talent. Namely, Zion Williamson is in that. And so, you know, and there's photos when CJ McCollum went to his locker for the first time. His locker is by Zion's locker. Zion's locker had clothes in it. There's no reason to have a pile of clothes by a locker unless somebody was using the locker. So, of course, Pelicans fans, myself included, ran with that. Zion's in New Orleans, Zion's in New Orleans. Then the Twitter people started coming out. He's in New Orleans. Now we got a report from Fox 8 New Orleans stating that it's believed he's back in the city. Um, so that's encouraging. I don't think they would fly him down out of Portland just to do his imaging and then fly him back. That feels like a lot of work. Um, so either his imaging's already been successful and, they, and they're trying to hide his presence after All-Star break or he really is flying back in town for imaging. And if the imaging is bad, they shut him down for the rest of the season. I would love to see him on the court. If he comes back off the All-Star break, I'm sure it is going to take a few weeks to get him back in shape but if they can get in the playing tournament and he's healthy by the playing tournament and healthy and in shape by the playing tournament i think the pelicans are going to scare people because cj mccollum's averaging 31 since he became a pelican brandon ingram is shooting a little down right now probably because of the shot selection he's used to getting or the shot volume used to getting shooting way back in rhythm not doing it as much with mccollum on the court and then of course zion is zion so that is going to be a very, very critical uh, situation, very critical imaging on the second half of the NBA season because the Pelicans currently sit 11th in the uh, standings, about a half a game, maybe a game behind the Trailblazers and about two games, three, two and a half, three behind the Lakers. So the Pelicans are well within range of making the playoffs, the play, especially the play-in. So we're going to keep our eye on that. MVP is ramping up. You've got several guys. DeMar DeRozan broke a record of Wilts, which saying that out loud is insane. He uh, broke the record for the most consecutive games, scoring 35 or more while shooting 50% from the field. 
Um, we'll think the record was four or five. Demar just did it. He just broke that record. Uh, who's kudos to him? Nikola Jokic, what he's doing in Denver. Think about it, he's keeping his team afloat. Six seed, which we have precedent for Russell Westbrook. Nikola Jokic is six seed uh, without Michael Porter Jr. and without Jamal Murray. He's still the six seed in the NBA. You have Steph Curry could be a potential MVP candidate. The Warriors are second in the NBA. He's their best player. Giannis Antetokounmpo has pulled the Bucks up to fifth. Um, we we'll see what he's doing. Joel Embiid had the 76ers at third. Um, so absolutely spectacular what is going on um, in the NBA as far as the MVP race because these guys are really competing. I'm just going to go on prediction on front street prediction here. If I was to say who was, who's my title favorite right now, I've got to go with the sun. I've got to go with the Phoenix Suns because I think the Phoenix Suns play anybody besides the Bucks last season. They win the championship. I just think they didn't have a matchup, which nobody does. Has a true matchup for um, nobody has a true matchup for Giannis Antetokounmpo. And so I'm thinking that if the Sun avoid a Giannis matchup in the finals, that they are going to indeed uh, win the NBA championship. And I believe Chris Paul may make the decision to walk away because he would, that would be his year, 18-19, and he would have gotten the championship that he is looking for in his NBA career. It's the last thing that he has not done in his career is win the championship. But I'm very excited for All-Star Weekend. It is going to be a great show. Um, Team LeBron versus Team Durant for the second year in a row. KD will not play. Um, he was injury replaced by a couple of guys. And so... Um, And so it's going to be a great show. Um, I'm very excited for the All-Star game. Very excited for All-Star weekend. The slam dunk contest has some bouncy guards plus OB Toppin. Uh, the celebrity game is always fun. Um, you know, there's some really good players in it this year. Miles Garrett is a uh, YouTube legend in terms of his ability to dunk. Um, no word on his shot yet, even though, like I said, it's on right now and he's not doing very well. But um, he's a YouTube legend as far as the ability to dunk. You have Machine Gun Kelly, Quavo, Jack Harlow, a couple of guys who can uh, produce big time buckets according to their YouTube highlights. So we're we'll definitely keep our eye on that. Three point contest represents new Pelican CJ McCollum along with some other flamethrowers in the NBA. So we're going to keep our eye on All-Star Weekend. It's going to be a celebration in the Cleveland area. Um, huge moment for that. LeBron and Steph returning back to the cities they were born in. LeBron famously just a kid from Ohio. Steph tends to claim Charlotte. Um, but it's going to be a very um, fun All-Star Weekend. I love All-Star Weekend every year because it's a celebration of the league. And it's not often you get a weekend like this. It's a lot better than the Pro Bowl week. It's a lot better than the NHL All-Star Week, Major League Baseball All-Star Week. The NBA All-Star Week is great every year. So I'm very excited for that to be in the land in Cleveland, um, home of the 2016 NBA Championships led by LeBron. But up next, we're going to shift to our best for last, which is going to be a thank you from me to you. Welcome back into the show, and now I just I want to talk to you guys about the show a little bit. So I'm going to take a couple of week break. Um, there will not be a show for the next couple of weeks. So that is uh, the weekend of the 25th. This is normally the show 25th, 26th. Personal note: I'm getting married that weekend, so there will not be a show that weekend. And then I'll be on my honeymoon the following weekend. So obviously, no show there. Um, I will do my best to try and keep the sports pages active during this time, especially next week. I'll be good there on my honeymoon, no promises. Um, but I will definitely keep you guys updated as far as sports. So definitely keep the follow, post notifications, retweet button, all that ready to roll. Um, because I will definitely keep you guys updated on that. Um, I did mention show format changes. So with no NFL, it's mainly one sport now, basketball. So we're gonna switch to more of a basketball show, but then we're gonna have topic points. So if there's, you know, four, three or four interesting topics happening, I'll talk about that. Uh, similar to the podcast you hear, 
instead of just so specific sport related we're down to one major sport um, I mean, hockey's going on, I believe, but we're down to one major sport, uh, which is the NBA. Uh, so we're going to talk about the NBA, but then we're going to have topic lists after that. So maybe NFL related, maybe NBA related. It could be international soccer. Who knows? But then I keep an eye on that, though. Keep what's going on with you guys. Uh, we're going to switch up the format just a little bit. Uh, shows probably get a little shorter, too. So instead of an hour and 15 ish, we've been running hour and 10 ish, maybe around this, which is going to be about 52, 53 minutes. Um, if we're lucky, <laughs> 52, 53 minutes. So that is going to be the switch that we're going to have uh, happening. Like I said, not a major switch up. Just instead of so sports centric, we're going to move to a more of a topic show. Um, so guys, submit topics you want to talk about. Submit plays you want to talk about. We can talk about a player, talk about a situation, talk about a topic. We will go. Uh, we will really go with the flow uh, when it comes to this. And definitely uh, just see how it goes. But that is all I have for you this weekend. Go enjoy also weekend. Like I said, it comes out Saturday morning. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the Friday night festivities. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.